is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Our program is sponsored by Living Water Church, located at 69 Industrial Road in Wainscott, under the leadership of Pastor Joe Kelly and his lovely wife, Margaret Kelly. Sunday services are at 10 a.m. with a pre-service prayer meeting at 9.30 a.m. Pastor Joe invites you to come and be refreshed. For more information, please call 631 537 2120. That's 631 537 2120. Let's talk about marriage. This is Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry inviting you to call us today if you want prayer for your marriage. We pray for the healing of marriages, especially those in crisis. We have faith that God can heal marriages because God healed ours after seven years of divorce. Gary Chapman, the author of The Five Love Languages, said this about Love Savers Ministry. And let me encourage you in what you're doing because I think these kind of shows which deal with really nitty-gritty stuff in relationships Uh can really help the listeners. So we're here to help. Call us today at 631-604-6397. That's 631-604-6397. Or email us at lovesavers1 at aol.com. Our website is lovesaversministry.com. And remember, love never fails. Jim Burns and Doug Fields wrote the book, Getting Ready for Marriage, A Practical Roadmap for Your Journey Together. They have uncovered the essential elements that make marriages thrive. This book is their early wedding gift to you, a comprehensive, easy-to-navigate roadmap for beginning your union. Filled with premium fuel for the journey, including meaningful exercises, hard truth, conversational starters, this book will nourish and guide your marriage relationship now and in the future. Today, Sandy talks with Jim Burns about his book, Getting Ready for Marriage, a practical roadmap for your journey together. Let's listen. Hi, Jim. Hi, Sandy. How are you? Okay. So we're going to discuss your book and uh, Getting Ready for Marriage, a practical roadmap for your journey together. And um, actually, December, according to statistics, is the greatest time for engagements and so this one third yeah one third of engagements not amazing yes it really is and um this book would be great for a christmas present or holiday present too um knowing that and um what would you say uh you really give us a blueprint 
for the marriage landscape for engaged couples so they don't have to be unprepared or feel they somehow made a mistake when life begins to get difficult. Instead, you show them what's needed to deal with the inevitable conflict and challenge of married life. And um, so they can get through the hardships and not just see it you know, uh, as uh, something unrealistic, which they often do in the beginning, and really end up with a God-filled marriage. And in your counseling, speaking, and traveling, you often encounter couples who have a fantasy understanding of marriage, and they want marriage to look like the movies with its perfection and passion. How can they realistically move from this false understanding of married life so they can accept the joy and beauty with all its imperfections of a genuine marriage? Well, that's the answer. They have to uh, they have to know what they're getting into. They need a roadmap. Uh, many couples, there's 2.1 million people get married each year in America, and most of them don't have a roadmap. So they you know they fell in love. Uh, the hormones are going crazy, and and without a preparation for for marriage, uh, a lot of times they don't know what they're getting into. But if they know, in fact, there's a study, Sandy, that says that 31 percent of marriages a pre a, of people who are getting married, 31% who do, will have, let me say it again. Of the people who are getting married and they do premarital counseling, they have a 31% better chance of staying married. Well, that part of that is in the preparation, knowing what to look for, how to deal with things like, you know, the finances and the in-laws and all the basics of, of getting ready for marriage. But if they do it, they got a much better chance of staying married. If they don't do it, then, um, you know, they don't know what they're getting into a lot of times. Right. What are some of the basics in getting your marriage off to a solid beginning? Well, you know, one of them is actually understanding uh, what it's like to uh, to be married to that person and what their family is like. You know, a lot of times we underestimate how important uh, the family is. We have That's a chapter right. in Getting Ready for Marriage that says, um, that says, you know, basically, if you when you marry that person, you're marrying their family. So That's the family right. history and the family background is really important. That's true. And so all these yeah. things should be discovered openly and honestly, and one should spend time with the in-laws, right? And understand yeah, exactly. certain exactly. traditions and backgrounds, right? Sure, exactly. I mean, you know, as we think about the holidays, uh, you know, I've been married for 40 years. We still discuss... Um, what are we going to do at Christmas and Christmas Eve with you know the office with the in laws? Right, right. <laughs> at forty years, you'd think we'd have this down, but the truth is, is that those are the kinds of conversations you want to have before you get married, right. and some of the basics. But the, the deeper ones are, uh, you know, a fa- let's, let's say uh, somebody came from a family where there was dysfunction or there was alcoholism or there was abuse or things like right. that. We, we we need to make sure we're dealing with those issues before we get married, not you know after the fact. Um, as well as so many, you know, and you've mentioned it even, I mean, it's communication. How do you, how do you communicate as a couple? A lot of times you can tell how well they're going to do in their marriage, um, just in premarital with how they communicate with each other. Right. And to look at maybe some of those dysfunctions to make sure that you might set a new map for the future to overcome those dysfunctions that you've yeah. seen in the past. Right. Yeah, exactly. We we call it transitional generation. Uh-huh. What that means is that we inherit the sins, if you would, of the previous generation. That's what the Bible says, anyway. And uh, and yet the the truth is is that we also inherit the good things, but 
some of us, like for example, my family, I came from a dysfunctional family. My wife came from a dysfunctional family. So we had to be the transitional generation. We had to put the stake in the ground and say, we're going to do this differently than that means we're going to do marriage differently. We're going to do parenting differently. We're going to do life differently. Uh-huh. And, uh, to learn that before you get married is much better than after when all of the, you know, when all of, you know, uh, if you would, landmines start hitting. Right. What are the red flags some couples are blinded to? And why do so many couples miss these warning signs? Well, you know, Doug Fields and I, who wrote the book, we like to say that at a couple, sometimes a premarital couple, it's like they're on drugs. You know, they're not really willing to look at at some of the red flags because they're in love. And, you know, exactly. Talk to us about some of those chemicals going on in the brain at the time. Well, honestly, you have, you know, you have some stuff going on in the brain, endorphins that actually almost like you are high or whatever, and you're not willing to look at some of it. And this is where people get in trouble because, you know, it's not a bad thing for a couple who's engaged or who's seriously dating to actually slow it down. Well, some of those red flags, for example, if there's, uh, if, if you're, if you see your, your, uh, either fiance or seriously dating, if you see them out dishonest, dishonesty is a huge, uh, huge thing. If you see them being, um, uh, if they came from a family where there was abuse, if they're, if there's any kind of, uh, physical, uh, you know, when they're in conflict, if they, if they use any kind of physical force, they're all, you know, those are major red flags, right. uh, alcoholism, uh, drinking too much, doing some drugs, pornography, you know, those are some of the, you know, some of the major red flags. And yet we see really good people say, once we get married, we're going to be okay. We're going to work through this. Right. Well, you work through it before you get married, not, not after the fact. Right. Because anything worth having is never free, how do you help couples understand that the work needed for a life-giving marriage is always worth the effort? Well, part of that is just, I think, on the personal side. I like to say, you know, there's pain in life um, regardless, but it's either the pain of discipline of working on your marriage or the pain of regret by not working on your marriage. And so what we're saying to couples is if, you're, if you really want to have a good marriage long term, um, then you're going to have to make sure that you're constantly working on marriage. And, you know, what we're suggesting is that people find mentors along the way who can kind of help them. So part of their uh, discipline and, and having a good marriage, I think, is finding people who can be a good role model. I know for Kathy and I, we didn't have necessarily good role models in our home, so we found couples who, uh, along the way, have kind of helped us in some ways with that roadmap to help point us in the in the right direction. And uh, I'll tell you, we've got some mentors now who we look back and say they they carried us through some things. And I don't even think they knew they were mentors. We just right. we had to initiate by spending time with these people and learning from them. Yes. What amount of thought should an engaged couple give about the family they are marrying into? And what if there are some warning signs where in-laws or extended family are concerned? And how can someone best deal with this? Well, I think couples have to uh, deal deal with the community. We oftentimes, we say that, you know, what is your community, which would be your family and your friends and associates saying about that person that you're marrying. Uh, I know somebody who just recently broke off an engagement because really, literally, everybody was saying, this guy is not um, you know, all that he's cracked up to be. And, and people had enough courage, and it was hard, I'm sure, but people had enough courage to say, we're worried about him, and here's why. And finally, you know, the young woman uh, 
probably against her will at the beginning, uh-huh. uh, but she finally looked at it and said, you know what, I, I think you people are right. Well, what was happening was everybody in her community could see things about this guy, and it was some of those red flags that we were talking about, but they could right. see things, but she, she was not, she was blinded to it. Blind, you know, love can be blind. So I think we need to talk to our community, and you know, here in America, we're not going to, you know, uh, our, as parents, we're not going to choose our, you know, our kids' spouses. Um, never is going to happen. But right. the fact is, we do want to be able to very, you know, tread, I, I would say to any of the people who have children who are maybe dating somebody that they're not thrilled about or are actually moving towards engagement. Uh-huh. I think you, know, you, you do it very delicately, but you share why you do have concerns. And that doesn't mean they're going to break it off, but it might mean that they're going to have some better conversations. I said to a, to a, a couple whose daughter is considering marriage, I said, you know what, I'd pay for, their, for some counseling for them uh-huh. ahead of time. So the counselor can help bring up some of these issues that they seem to have some concern about. Right. What simple advice, both for men and for women, could you share in how to speak to your partner? In other words, is there an attitude held or words spoken that are well worth avoiding because they are just plain hurtful and damaging? Sure. I mean, when you think about so many marriages, I think so much of what we say either builds us up or, or tears us down. And, and you know what, Sandy? It's not just words. It's also the tone. Um, it's the atmosphere. So, you know, constant criticism uh, of, our, of somebody who we're engaged to or actually even a spouse, constant criticism, even if it's just, um, breaks apart intimacy. And so we have to understand that, you know, how the tone, how we greet each other, um, how we how we connect, we like to call it affection, warmth, and encouragement. We call it awe. And uh-huh. you know, how we how we provide, you know, the, the you know proper affection, beautiful affection. How we provide a, an atmosphere that has warmth and also encouragement. Those are things that will keep uh, a marriage strong. So if you're saying words are always damaging, then that's going to break a, a, the marriage apart. But if you're saying words are positive and uplifting, uh, thankful, grateful, um, you know, that's going to keep the marriage uh, keep the marriage strong. Right. Um... You mentioned that you have to ask yourself, are you ready for unconditional commitment? And it might sound unromantic, but if you aren't willing to make that promise of faithfulness, perseverance, loyalty, commitment, um, then you might not be ready for marriage. Right, right. If you if you think there's a clause to get out of it, then you're not going to do a good job. Uh, studies tell us that when a couple says we're in it forever, even though it's not going to be easy, it's not going to be perfect, they'll work through it. Couples who say, "Well, I could get an easy out," those are couples who typically uh, move quicker to, well, frankly, the divorce court. So, you know, one of those questions that you've got to ask is, "Are you ready for unconditional commitment?" And at your wedding. You know, you're going to say, you know, I, Jim, my wife's name is Kathy. Take you, Kathy, to be my uh, wife. Uh, I promise and covenant before God and these witnesses to be your loving and faithful husband and plenty and want, you know, forever. Uh-huh. So if I'm willing to say that kind of a commitment, then my actions have to show that. And, in fact, this is fascinating. A new study came out last year that says of couples who have troubled marriages, I'm not talking about engagement, I'm talking about troubled marriages, right. that if they will persevere for five years, 75% of the couples say that their marriage is better off that you know now after five years than it was five years prior. Right. Well, that's part of that, that's part of that uh, perseverance, part of the unconditional commitment. Right. Uh, I, I Personally, you know, Kathy and I have what we call a high-maintenance marriage. That's funny because I write books on marriage, and right. Kathy and I speak on marriage. 
but we, we still say we have eye maintenance. And, it, you know, our first year was not an easy year, and we didn't have good premarital counseling, like a, something like getting ready for marriage. We weren't ready for it. Uh-huh. But we made a decision one year out that no matter what, we were going to persevere. We were going to keep that unconditional uh, commitment. And you know what? It changed, it changed the trajectory of our relationship and of our marriage. It brought security to both Kathy and me. We quit saying the, the D word, divorce. Right. Kathy, sometimes Kathy still says the M word, murder, but, you know, that's another story. <laughs> But, but you know sure what I'm saying. You know I mean, she doesn't of... mean it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that would be a problem if she did. But um, but but it's the issue of it is the issue of making that unconditional commitment, and that's a right. that's a huge yeah. thing that a lot of times couples in today's society aren't willing to to make. Right, you're right in today's society. Anyway, what do you have to say about telling all, like sharing your personal history, which you said, you know, there is an importance and a goodness to that, even revealing yeah. addictions like drugs, alcohol, porn, like you mentioned, yeah. or even fears, you know, yeah. that you'd like... I, I think no, I think it's really important. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things that we've done is we have a book called Getting Ready for Marriage, and we have a workbook, and we also have an online uh, app that you can you know get online at, at gettingreadyformarriage.com. And so these three things help couples have those kinds of conversations because if a couple is willing to share issues, whether it be uh, sexual past history, whether it be financial issues, whether it be something that's you know somewhat shameful, well, they before they get married, they need to have pretty much an open book. And the reason that is is because you don't want those surprises to come you know to come later. You, you mentioned. Uh, uh, a, a drinking or a drug problem. I haven't. That needs to come out beforehand, uh, again, not after, so that you can work at it uh, from a standpoint of preparing for marriage, not um, after marriage. You know, way too many couples put all of their energy into the big day, the wedding. Right. You know, they put all their time and energy into that. And it's great. I'm, you know, I love a party and I love a wedding. I love wedding. Yes. But they put very little time into preparing for it. I would re- much rather spend my money um, you know, on some good premarital engagement uh, counseling and, and preparation um, and not have to spend a lot more money on the counseling side later when they realize that they, kind of, they felt like they'd made a mistake. Right. What are some areas of expectation you should discuss before you're married? Like well, you know, the, it, it's... Oh, go ahead. On the topics like of what? money or faith, parenting, time spent with friends, etc. Yeah, well, I think that's what you do. I think yeah. I think it's important to uh, to you know talk about your goals and your hopes and your uh-huh. expectations. And you know, too many times uh, because we don't talk about our expectations, it might even be a job. I and mean, when Kathy and I got married so so long ago, I actually had an expectation that God would use me to you know write books and do some speaking and things like that. I would have talked to her about that before. That might have that surprise of a little bit of travel and being in front of uh, you know public audience and whatnot might have actually caused you know some real problems. But because we talked about it ahead of time, you know she was more prepared even in the job side. But, uh-huh. You know expectations that you know you, you talk about holidays. My goodness, you know money. Oh my goodness, you know I, when Kathy and I got married, um, my dad did the finances. Her mom did the finances. Right. We had never talked about finances, so our we talk about a, about a funny story in the book about the fact that uh, 
you know, Kathy was doing the finances and I was one of these guys who rounded off to the top, you know, $50 and she looks at it penny by penny. One of our fights was me saying she was, she was up most of the night trying to find a dollar 31 cents. Instead of being sensitive about it, I went and got a dollar. She was still at the kitchen table. I went and got a dollar and 31 cents and more or less slammed it on the kitchen table and said, here, you know, that's what she was looking for. And, and then I said, you know, sleeping on the couch that night wasn't all that bad. Well, you know, that's not how you want to have a marriage. So the expectation would have helped us if we would have had some conversation about how we were going to handle things. Who's going to handle things? Uh, how, and how are we going to handle those What are we going to do about, you know, debt? So those are all the issues that, you know, there's so many issues that we want to bring up with, with couples. And so, again, that's why you need, you know, content in a book. That's why you need workbook that has good interaction. That's why... The online app actually has a compatibility tool where they fill out, uh, man fills out one side, the woman fills out the other side, and then they can kind of talk about the various aspects of what are they compatible with and what are they not. It doesn't mean you don't get married. It just simply means that you know, now you're looking with your eyes wide open and you understand what's going on and how you can adapt. Right. What do you think is the best way to deal with expectations about children? Uh, talk about it ahead of time. We talked about a couple who uh, the, the man was very much opposed to having children because he'd come from a pretty tough past, and and the woman wanted children, and they never talked about it. Afterwards, he said, well, I thought you would understand that. I thought you would know that because of my broken past. And the woman said, oh. Well, they had to work through pretty intense issues because in his mind, he was marrying somebody who was on the same page, but they'd never talked about it. So uh-huh. you know, it doesn't mean that you say, you know, before marriage, you know, I want, you know, 3.4 kids and I want to uh, them to be spread out every two years. And I want, you know, two boys and a girl or those kinds of things. But it is important to talk about uh, what are our hopes and dreams with, uh, with family type situations. And, you know, who's going to stay at home? Uh, or is somebody going to stay at home when the baby's first you know, born? Or how are you going to work out child care or, you know, uh, you know, how does all that work? Those are those conversations. Again, they can always change and be adapted, but those are the kinds of conversations that you want to take place before you get married, not not after. Right. What do you think? Of course, this is sort of a new day and age where um, there's oftentimes a pregnancy before marriage rather than. After, which, after reading your book, we agree it should be after. But if that happens, what would you say about that? For instance, I was talking to a couple, and the gentleman felt that he needed a little space, but then a child was on its way. So now they talk about loving each other, but... What are your feelings about that? I thought, I wonder if someday there'll be a resentment that will not be able to have the marriage be forever because yeah. well, of that. Uh, sure, sure. I mean, that complicates What are your things. feelings about that? Yeah. Well, that, co- that complicates things. It sure does. Like yeah. crazy. And, and so I always say that, you know, the moment that happens, yeah. I think the parents need to to show care and understanding and love and grace and not, uh, you know, send them running, which happens probably too often. I just, I, I just, I don't think I mean, they're going to know that the parents are disappointed or whatever, but when a couple gets pregnant before marriage, um, I would, I would then say it's time to get the kind of help and, uh, more intense counseling. 
the reason is that, um, you know, some people are, will never be ready to, to, uh, marry, but somebody does have to take care of those children. Right. They want to think through it. I'm not, I'm not one who with a shotgun says, you know, this hour you need to get married because I right. think that's, uh, not going to Right. So in other words, you better be careful with that. In other words, um, let the commitment, which would be beautiful in that circumstance, come as the Lord leads. If you can draw them closer to the Lord, they might hear his voice and the commitment and responsibility. I mean, there could be responsibility like the person would want to take care of everything financially, but that heart commitment. What do you do about that heart commitment if it is not totally there? Right. You just have to wait or what? Well, I I don't think you, I don't think you just, uh, I don't, I think you need to have, I don't think you just totally wait and see what happens. I think you work, you work at it. I think you, uh, you know, you get the wisdom of the, you know, the Bible says where there is no counsel, the people fall in the multitude of counselors are a safety. Yes. So I think they, they sometimes need that. Um, and then the people around them have to have healthy people come around them, uh-huh. to help them make that decision and when and how they make the decision. Now, again, it's more complicated than that because, yes. you know, there's a new child that's going to be, you know, you know, raised oftentimes in a single parent home. And, yes. uh, you know, the, the latest statistics are pretty frightening with the amount of, of pregnancies outside of marriage. Yes. Um, actually, pretty, pretty scary when you start thinking about it. And You're I right. would say the unfortunate thing is that a lot of those. Uh, couples and, and typically it's the young woman more than the guy, but you know they're they're strapped without getting the kind of help that they need. So yes. this is where I think their community can, can really help them come alongside. Uh, obviously, this isn't the way it was meant to be, but now that it's happened, let's do what we can, uh, you know, for the sake of that family and especially for the sake of that new child. To you know, how can this child be raised in a, in a, a somewhat healthy home? And and you talked about the spiritual side. I think that's very very key and, and yes. very important. Yes, and you talk about the developing not only the physical intimacy, but spiritual intimacy, how yeah, important yeah. that well, is. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. we used to hear statistics would say that couples who are not, uh, uh, who are Christian, um, have the same divorce rate. But actually, that's fallacy. What we're learning is that couples who have a spiritual intimacy and have more of a spiritual compatibility, um, for example, even couples who, who go to church twice a month, they have 15% less uh, divorces than people who would just call themselves a Christian but not necessarily have a, an active faith. So when couples, I would say probably spiritual intimacy is the least developed area of intimacy um, in a relationship. And when we think of intimacy, we mean you know connection. So you've got right. physical intimacy, but you also have spiritual intimacy. So we're suggesting strongly that couples work on that area just as much as they work on any other area. Right. Yes. Well, Jim, it has been wonderful speaking with you, and I hope it does encourage couples, especially with that percentage, 31%, that would read your book and get counseling and go to church and, um, you know, really work at it, um, that there will be so much less divorce that we're all hoping and praying for. We're all on the same page there. So we highly recommend your book for anyone getting ready for marriage, Especially, again, may we say, so many engagements uh, take place in December, so we 
um, really encourage everyone to get your book, Getting Ready for Marriage, A Practical Roadmap for Your Journey Together. Jim Burns and Doug Fields, thank you so much, Jim. And hey, have, Sandy, great to talk to you. All right, and it was great talking to you. God bless you, and we'll talk again. All right. Okay, sounds Bye great. for now. Take care. Bye-bye. Gonna get mad